Everyone has a group chat, but why is it still so hard to split the cost for gifts or festival tickets or travel? You're constantly chasing people to pay you back and often get left holding the bill. PaySquad is on a mission to make it easier to do stuff together. We're building simple, easy group payments that exist right at checkout. I'm Cam Richardson, the founder. Check it out at PaySquad.co and find me on LinkedIn. Let's dream big, buy now, and pay together. Welcome to Funny Business. I'm Rob. And I'm Locke. And on today's episode, we have wild Will Tomlinson. And i got to say, what a fucking man. We haven't had a boxer on the pod at all uh, in our three to nearly four year existence. And we had the questions pumping, didn't we? I thought it was a really good chat. And there's, there's one thing for certain is that you and I aren't fighters. That's not what you were saying uh, before we went to air or before Will actually joined the chat. You were like... I actually fancy myself in the ring. I feel like, even put a cage around me, I feel like I can go. And I said, Rob, just hold your horses. I don't think so. I'm happy we're saying this after air, not live on air, so he could, <laughs> where he could keep receipts and see what we actually said. But I guess if, if you don't know Will, he's now doing wildfighter. He's, he runs a gym. He does promotional boxing events. And he also used to be, in his, in his actual boxing days, world champion, champion of the world. You were fascinated by that. And I feel like you tried to dig deep into that sort of... World, time, cha- world champ, bro. He's world champ for more, more than a couple of years. It's pretty good, isn't it? And relinquished too. I've had yeah. enough. I didn't lose. I had to give hey, it up. The belt slipped off. You can have it. Hey, Fuck take it. it. Take it. It's yours. Enjoy the chat. Will, thank you so much for jumping on the Funny Business Podcast. For those at home listening, tell us who are you and what do you do? Uh, my name's Will Tomlinson. I'm currently, uh, I run a, a gym called Wildfighter and a promotion business also called Wildfighter. Um, the gym's based in South Geelong at the moment um and my event business the promotion business we run shows all over the all over victoria um in geelong melbourne east gippsland um yeah so that's that's me that's what i do how did you get into the world of boxing as a kid growing up were you in the gym early did you know that was something that you wanted to do was it family like what's the story there uh there's no real like you know big story behind the story i was just uh, a young kid that just walked into the local boxing gym at about 13 years old with a couple of mates and just started sparring and like started hitting the bags and you know, doing pad work and sparring and then just evolved from there and eventually got you know, signed up to have my first fight and got the win and it just steamrolled from there. Take us back to that. Like the first fight, like I feel like everyone says everyone's got a plan until they get sort of punched in the face. Like what is that like from going to the pads to practicing to then like, well, they can hit me back and really – get me here what, what what's the sort of mental transition there <laughs> as you yeah, yourself up yeah i don't know i've got the piss up it's not yeah. good. What's the, it's bad a, technique by me too it's, it's quite a transition like um i often say to people that are prepping for their first fight um you can prep as hard as you want do all the work and get as ready as you can possibly get but then it all goes out the window in uh once that first bell goes like you know, all, all the technique that you've learned, all the fitness that you've built up, it just you know, all goes out the window and you're back to square one. So that first fight is just about you know, getting in there and like getting it done, getting it out of the way. And then you just, you know, and it's the same with the second and the third and the fourth. You always just you know, get, you know, pick up little bits and pieces and um, you know, the pressure eases and the nerves ease as you, as you get on. But, um, you know, never goes though. Like even, you know, after... 100 plus amateur fights I had in 29 professional fights. Even in yeah, my, my last pro fight, I was still nervous as shit before yeah, in the change rooms before the fight. So, 
I think the nature of what you're going out there to do, like going out there to fight in front of a big crowd and potentially get hurt and get beat, it's always there's always going to be a element of pressure involved. How do you make sure you're in the like? I'm sure like you get super anxious before anything, and sort of when you're doing it, it feels like that's when you feel a bit more 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 comfortable. I suppose like it's all the nerves and the thinking about what might happen to like bells sounded like I can't be anywhere else, but like right here. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really hard to like, you know, there's no like blanket approach for anyone to take the, like get themselves into the right mindset and, um, you know, to have the confidence to win the fight or go out there and, you know, without, without nerves, the approach I used to take when I used to, um, you know, go out to a fight or be in the change rooms prior to a fight, is that I'll always revert back to you know, my training camp, um, and I was always really meticulous with making sure I was, you know, training hard and prepping as hard as I, as good as I could for each fight. So, did I do my road work? Did I diet properly? Did I you know, get the sparring in? You know, was you know, who were the sparring partners? Were they better than the guy I'm fighting? And I used to, you know, just yeah, resort back to my yeah, the preparation that I had, and you know. Yeah, knowing my head that I'd genuinely done everything I could do to get us yeah, into the best shape that I could possibly be in for the fight. And then the rest, you know, takes care of itself. I feel like boxing is a sport from a, like a pathways perspective. It feels like I, I grew up, you're a lot of cricket, me playing cricket, footy, but football, you, yeah. you can understand like the pathways, like there's development programs that you get scouted. And next thing you know, like you can see what, I guess you get signed to a bigger team in team sports and things like that. <laughs> Whereas boxing, it's it feels like, how do you go from, hey, I'm doing amateur fights to now I want to go on and, and fight for a world title? Like what's the pathway for people now and how has it changed when, I guess, what the stuff you're doing now through the promotion stuff, seeing new young bo- boxers coming through, is it a different landscape than when you were coming through? No, still still the same old filthy landscape, uh, boxing. It's um, been this way for forever and it's probably not going to change but um in terms of pathway like there's yeah there's not really a clear pathway in in professional boxing um but there is a clear pathway in amateur boxing where you know, most people start out and um yeah that generally goes from you know winning a state title a national title um becoming like an australian representative in all the big international tournaments like the commonwealth games olympics world championships um and then, you know, once you complete all those, you know, generally, like once you're, um, but not always, but most people that go on and compete at that level as an amateur, then, you know, go on and turn professional after they've had enough of the amateur system and they want to go and get paid and um, make some money and try and, you know, win, you know, world titles, um, fight on TV, win world titles. Um, yeah, I had a... Yeah, I went through that elite amateur system through like, you know, one states, nationals, um, you know, represented Australia through 2007 as the the lightweight rep at like the Commonwealth Championships, World Championships, all the other little international tournaments. Got to travel around Australia, was based out of the Australian Institute of Sport in Canberra, which is really cool and a good, you know, fun chapter of my life. And, you know, I got that kind of amateur system out of my out of my system. And um and then was ready to, to turn pro at the end of oh seven or oh eight I can't remember. So everyone's oh, different, yeah. So like for example, you don't have to have a super long amateur career before people turn pro and put things yeah. on. I'm sure you've got lots of you different don't, you things. Don't, you, don't, you don't even have to have an amateur career. You can just turn professional straight away. 
How do you feel about like if you see some of the different stuff? I know the weekend just passed from recording this has been the big celebrity fight between like KSI and Logan Paul and the whole like celebrity fights in general. Like, what are your thoughts around that for boxing and like for I guess because it seems like there's the ones that can put on the events like that, they sell tickets and they have stuff going on there. But does it leave room for other boxers who are actually there for the pure of the sport to do boxing? Yeah, it definitely uh, leaves room. It's like yeah, the, all those big you know, shows that you're talking about, they just prov- provide a platform for all the legitimate boxers to fight on um, and get exposure to a, a, a larger audience that probably traditionally wouldn't watch watch them fight anyway. Um, and, yeah, all those those shows that are headlined by the YouTubers, they're also like all the undercard fights. Well, not all of them, but a lot of them are all, like legitimate boxes. So it's, yeah, again, providing a good platform for the boys to fight on and, um, you know, for the YouTubers, like everyone's entitled to make a dollar and they're obviously making a lot of it, you know, headlining these pay-per-view uh, shows. So good on them. I love it. It's just good for the industry, isn't it? More people doing it. It doesn't really matter. And it creates that engagement because people do want to see their heads get punched in. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, hey, I wouldn't mind seeing a boxer go toe-to-toe with that or vice versa and that. I feel like it's like anything. It's just like good for business, eh? Yeah, it's good. It's good Good for the profile of the sport. And, um, yeah, and anyone that knows anything about, you know, boxing and sports in general, like they can distinguish between the, you know, the real deal fighters and the YouTubers. So I don't think it does too much damage. What about you personally, if you could take us back a little bit in, in your career, navigating that process of, the uncertainty and unclear pathways to get the bigger fights and get the bigger shows yourself. Like how did, how, how did you approach that? Well, I was really lucky when I um, turned, like when I turned pro, I was um, signed by a, a, a Sydney based manager and he, he guided me through that whole process. He had, um, he had the vision of you know, getting me on all the right cards, the right shows, giving me the right exposure, um, you know, fighting on all the, um, yeah, like I was, my first two years I had 14 fights and um, I think 10 of those 14 fights were all televised on either Fox Sports or main event, um, whether that was on like a Danny Green undercard or an Anthony Mundine undercard or, or another general Fox Sports card, um, which you know, obviously allowed me to get that, you know, those opportunities to fight on those bigger platforms and build a name for myself and then, you know, you know eventually you know, started having um, yeah, the bigger, more, yeah, the regional title fights on those same cards. Like I, I featured on a lot of Danny Green's undercards coming up and then, yeah, eventually got the opportunity to fight for the um, world title on his undercard again over in Perth and got the job the job done there. And then I was, yeah, found myself in a position where I was headlining my, headlining my own Fox Sports shows. I feel like if you're the like being the world champ, like what did you do to celebrate when that happened? Like, you know, like as it, growing up and going, "Fuck, I'm all right at boxing. I'm going to do this now." And you get to that point where it feels like there's lots of different belts. You mentioned before, like state state champ, national champ, intercon- intercontinental champ, all the different things that's out there. But like world champ, like surely that's a pretty special thing that you can look back. Yeah, on it was, in life. yeah, it was it was awesome. Like, yes, you know, when I um when I won the world title, like I literally completed or reached a, a goal and, uh, you know, lived out a dream that I dreamt about as a kid and used to you know, visualise when I was a, a young kid running, you know, in, in the parents' paddock, you know, doing my road work for my amateur fights. 
um yeah and there was like I, I won my world title pretty early in my pro career like i was only pro for about not even three maybe three years so it was it came around pretty quick um and just yeah just like it was just such a you know a sense of you know relief and you know achievement and you know a very proud moment to you know to pull off so and uh yeah i definitely relished in it and, and i was lucky enough to enjoy it for um how long for i won in two, november 2011 and actually relinquished it. i didn't actually lose it I, I relinquished it when i um uh before a fight that i had in america um in 2013 or 14 so had it for a while so i was able to call myself a world champion for about three years which was pretty cool Oh, I'll be going out every night, I reckon. I'll be going all the bars. <laughs> I'll be making the most of that, making sure everyone knows that I'm the champ. I reckon you'd have a cardboard cutout of you. Oh, look in the it. bedroom, bro, 100%. <laughs> but, like, what about, like, you're good at boxing and stuff and, and it's and it's all good, but what about for those who think they need to have sort of a personality as well to sell the fights and do all the other stuff that goes... Or, like, the business with, behind yeah, it. Yeah, like, like, you know, yeah, you're a good fighter and stuff, but the next level is, like, people, like when you get the exposure, people get to know you and connect with you, like... Do you, yeah. do you go through that sort of training, or is yeah, I didn't have much. Of, I didn't have much of that personality, unfortunately. I was, um, yeah, like I feel like in Australia, there's not a lot of fighters in Australia that actually have that personality that you're talking about. And I feel like when they do try and put on that personality, they sound like wankers because it's not genuine. It's obviously not their natural character, and they're just forcing it. And it also, in my opinion, doesn't really resonate with the general Aussie boxing fan anyway. Um, the, the people that try and um, you know, talk that brash, you know, um, outspoken uh, trash talk, um, they come off, you know, they come off the wrong side, um, and you end up with you know, more haters and you have fans, which you know still sells fights. But um, I know what side of the fans I'd rather be on, um, and. Uh, yeah, so, but, like, I, I was kind of, yeah, I didn't have that type of character. I was just, like, someone that, I was lucky that my fighting was kind of, you know, doing the talking for me. I was really exciting and reckless and, you know, provided good entertainment um, when I fought. I, I didn't, was never in a boring fight. Generally left with, you know, needing 50-plus stitches in my face each fight. My Both eyebrows used to constantly split open. I think when I won the world title fight, my, in my world title fight, I had to get um, 42 stitches in my face afterwards, like here, here, down the middle. And then I also ended up with one on, under my chin, but that didn't come from the fight. That came from after the fight when I went into the crowd to see my parents in the in the stands. And then I was walking back down the stairs and some wanker stuck his leg out and deliberately tripped me over walking down the stairs at Challenge Stadium. And I fucking went, ass up you know head over heels down the down the stairs and knock my chin on one of the timber timber steps after a 12 round war so um yeah but that was uh that did was you find him? did you look up and go who the I'm fuck was sure that? i'm not sure what happened what uh like I, I can't remember i was like obviously concussed from the fight and then probably even you know further concussed again from you know knocking my head doing that but um yeah. So, what about winning a world like winning the world title in front of like Aussie fans? You mentioned doing it over in Perth and being here. It seems lately there's been like a lot more 
like bigger fights being put on from Aussies coming back and whether they've had the the, the, the title or not, but they're bringing fights back here for Australia to get around it. I feel like the last couple of years especially it's been a bit more hype around people keen to see what's going on and Aussies taking, thing, like, taking the world on the big stage. Yeah, there's um there's a lot of you know, fighters in Australia at the moment doing really well internationally. Um, getting the opportunity that's because they're signed with international promoters like the Maloney brothers with Top Rank. Um, then you got Eddie Hearn that signed, you know, Jai Opatia, Ebony Bridges. Um, you got George Cambosos obviously doing his thing over there um, in America, and uh, that's what's creating the opportunities for the boys to fight for world titles internationally. Then you've also got, um, you know, No Limit, um, the Rose Brothers promoting Tim Zoo here in Australia, which are doing a phenomenal job. Um, you know, the show on the weekend was crazy and Tim Zoo's performance was also crazy. And, um, yeah, so Australian boxing is in a really healthy state at the moment. And um, I'm just waiting for that next superstar to come along and I can hopefully take him to that level as well. When did you decide to hang him up? Was there a moment? Did you have something that you just like? I've had enough of fighting. Like, is it a? Seems like it's a hard thing for people who are in this industry to say, I don't want to fight anymore. You know? Yeah. Um, I retired after my twenty ninth pro fight. I got beat literally the night before. In um, I got knocked out in the first round. Um, and that was um purely like yeah, probably based off the um. The, like the severe di- dehydration process I had to put my through to make put myself through to make weight for that fight just cooked myself literally cooked myself in in a hot bath and had to lose like you know four or five kilos in the last day to make the weight couldn't recover overnight first punch I got hit with I just I think it knocked out I got dropped and went to stand up went to push myself up my arm kind of collapsed and gave way and the referee waved it off and got caught off and I was you know in hindsight, it was probably a good thing because I was in no state to be taking shots to the head. I was obviously dehydrated, still dehydrated. Um, and yeah, like I yeah, woke up the next morning in bed with my with my wife, um, and you know we knew that it was both. We knew that it was time for me to um, retire. Um, it was yeah off the back of again 100 plus amateur fights and 29 professional fights. Been yeah at that elite level for yeah, it was the elite amateur then professional for nine years um you know i won a world title traveled the world you know fought in vegas done all those cool things signed with golden boy um and it was you know we we, we uh it was a simple decision for us like yeah we'd taken a lot we you know i'd taken more out of the sport than the sport had taken out of me and it was just uh, um a no-brainer to hang them up and just move on to that next chapter in life what about like teaching the people coming through now? It must give you great joy, like being able to think about stuff, the boxing that you love, but able to use your skills and get get around people to make them the best version of themselves. It must be really cool when you see them, you know, getting in the ring and taking people on. Yeah, so I, I don't really train fighters. Um, I'm more of a, I'm a promoter. So I've got my gym, but um, we don't have, actually have any active you know, pro fighters or even amateur fighters. There's a couple of amateurs, but... Um, it's more of just like a fitness-based gym, um, but promoting is kind of where my real passion is. Like, I you know, do genuinely believe I've got a lot to offer the kids that I work, the, the guys that I work with, just from um, not only from that fighting perspective, but 
how to you know you know market your career properly and advice to get sponsors on board and um yeah and just help them make the right choices and take the right steps to make sure the career is progressing in the right way in the right order to you know actually turn it into a professional career because a, a proper pro career because boxing it's a very you know it's a, it's a very semi-professional industry in australia not a lot of fighters that have the luxury and ability to do it as their full-time profession a lot of them have to balance it with um you know general work or whatever else and um yeah, I feel like I can offer him a lot of advice to you know, try and make it as you know, full-time and professional as possible. You mentioned before that you were nervous before your own fights. Do you still feel the same nerves when you're putting on your own show? <laughs> uh, tri- quadruple the nerves putting on a show because everything's out of my control. Like it's out of my control and in the hands of you know every other you know boxer that I'm working with, and the boxers traditionally aren't the most like reliable bunch to deal with so um as i'm sure i probably was yeah coming through myself but um yeah no definitely there's a lot more it's a lot easier it was a lot easier for me fighting and winning a world title than um yeah trying to promote a world champion what do you do on the on the actual day event day you working you watching or a bit of everything just whatever needs to be done well event day like is typically like bumping day so yeah setting up the venue getting that yeah getting that right you know um all the seating and furniture the broadcasting the av um getting all the fighters rooms ready and um and then fight night it's just you know the the hardest about about fight night is just getting the first fight happening and once the first fight's in and happening then the rest kind of just flows on from there everyone knows kind of what comes next but it's just getting that first fight into the ring and once that's underway it's pretty smooth sailing generally from there you mentioned before like cutting weight getting ready for that last fight before you gave it away what goes into keeping your body at that to be able to fight at your weight class did that become harder and harder for you were there things and and tricks that you had to do to be able to make weight yeah um making weight for me was always a difficult task like my whole career um i Ordered, um yeah, my elite weight where I won the world title was 59 kilos. So to put that into perspective, I won the world title when I was about 25-ish. I had my first ever fight when I was 13 years old at 57 kilos. So I was, um, yeah, so 12 years old, uh, sorry, 13 years old, 57 kilos, 25 years old, um, uh, 59 kilos. And then the the last time I ever made super featherweight, um, I was twenty. What was I? I was twenty eight. So, yeah. So I'd only like put on you know two kilos in um in however many years that is uh, thirteen. Was, was that like meant that you had to do crazy amounts of extra cardio, or you couldn't eat yeah, certain so, yeah, foods, well, or like yeah, for me, for me, so I used to my my body's kind of like walk around weight was so when I won the world title, it was fifty nine kilos. I got on the scales two weeks later it's 74 kilos Fuck me. So, so that's crazy 15, 15 kilos in two weeks um but yeah so i generally begin a training camp around like high 60s sometimes like 70 kilos and then i'd pretty i'd have to live in a cal- calorie deficit for two months straight so eight weeks and then um 
And then that would generally get me from 70 kilos to 62, 63. And then that last week, I'd just drop out. I'd just dehydrate and um, dry out that last three three to four kilos. How do, you, how do you go through the training volume during a calorie deficit? Because I can imagine like eight weeks out from camp, you're doing some crazy amounts of volume. You're doing Got crazy, headaches and shit. I'm dehydrated. You're doing crazy amounts of rounds of sparring and getting yourself ready for the fight. How do you go through, I guess, like the discipline and the mindset to getting yourself up for training when you're not feeling great? Yeah, it's it's a funny one. It's it's a, because yeah, you you're obviously literally starving because you're in a calorie deficit, so your body's consuming itself, like its body fat stores, and um, re- reality, it's conf- also pr- consuming muscle mass as well. Um, after it burns through all your uh, burns through all your you know your calorie intake for the day, because no doubt, yeah, you know, when you're training, yeah. So I'll, I used to live in about two thousand calories a day. And I'd probably burn, who knows, like maybe five thousand calories. So you're in like a, you know, two two to three thousand calorie deficit per day. Um, but you just get used to it. You just you, you get used to it, and um, you just get it done. It was just like it's just how I lived. Like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't really that. Wasn't really that hard when I look back at it. Like, Man, you'd be starving. Bro. Oh, I, I was going to say, is it? Is two thousand calories a day isn't actually that bad. Yeah, I, I don't think I could do that. Bro. But like days on end, man, you were like, Wizard. yeah, I don't even want to think about what I eat. To be honest, be it's hungry. taking me really question myself. Jack, get hungry, Jacks before this. Yeah, chat, so dine so. in. They know us by name. It's not good. Who doesn't need to know <laughs> that? But the, is the is the reward after? So I, I can imagine after a win. You'd be feeling grouse, and then you can just go. I can fucking eat what I want now. I can do whatever I want. Does, is that the fun part? Yeah, for sure. Like I was a mad foodie. I, I used to become like literally like obsessed with food in the like through training camps. I'd be, um, yeah, on my phone just like googling you know restaurants and looking at menus and working out. Okay, f- post uh, the, the next morning meeting breakfast here, lunch here, dinner here, and I do that for about a week. Um, yeah, and I, I became like super obsessed with food through my through my career how did you go from being a fighter to moving to the next stage of your career like how did you have as your routine changed are you still training are you still like how's it been just like adapting to new stuff well so obviously like from regards to the career change like i stopped fighting and you know went into business so went into gyms opened up a couple of gyms in melbourne um but Training, um, like I've always kept training. Um, I've obviously nowhere near the intensity or probably the frequency that I used to, but you know, now I train probably at least five days a week. Um, mix that up between um, like heavy strength, like strength training, just heavy, heavy weights. Um, do a couple of runs a week and a couple of boxing sessions a week. Um, try and get out there for a surf a couple of times a week as well, which is another good form of fitness and uh. Yeah, but like finding the time with that now, I'm sure you boys know with kids, it's it's tricky and when the time is there, like yeah, the energy levels aren't, you know, where they used to be. So I say um, hats off, mate. You're recording this. Your little one's asleep. You've got the baby monitor next to you. So yeah. definitely feel you just that. a few compliments back your way because you do the same thing. I jump though. sometimes too. Don't you worry about that. He's not, he's not asleep, but that's all right. <laughs> you just got to wait it out. Hey, know? well, question we ask all our guests is a bit of a mental health one. Uh, what do you turn to when you're looking to get some energy back in your life? Energy? Um, sleep? 
Um, but like in terms, like yeah, I, I love I love being social, hanging out with friends. That you know refreshes me. Going for a surf, always feel great after surf. Exercise, like if I um you know if I start my day off well with like you know just smashing out a gym session before everyone else is awake, that's um puts me in a good a good um position to you know win the day. Um, yeah, and there's I've no like really you know secret formula or anything for you, sorry boys, but it's just just to use um just just doing the the basics well, like good exercise, good nutrition, hydration. Um, yeah. What about so, like, what are you watching at the moment? Any guilty pleasures? You've been watching any series? Listening to any watching the um the David Beckham Posh Bites doco. That was awesome. How good! Oh, he's so cool. I didn't re- I didn't realize the amount of hate he copped. I was like, oh, yeah, it was brutal. I I, I didn't I didn't realize that either. But yeah, he was uh he was tortured for a couple of, yeah for a big part of his career. He's so fucking good, and he just seemed to like play up to the people too. Like give him a bit of something to keep things interesting. Oh, he was like the the total package, huh? You're in love. Yeah. Well, actually, I didn't I didn't know too much about him until this until I watched it. I was like, my yeah. respect for both of them, the whole family. I was like, yeah. they're actually quite cool. Yeah, they're cool as. Now I, I didn't know I didn't know like yeah heaps about him either. But um yeah he copped it for a while there and uh he was he was a superstar no doubt like yeah that see that party they threw him when he moved to LA had like Tom Cruise and all of the Hollywood A listers there it's pretty pretty epic. They when you when you're the world champ bro I'll be throwing parties every week I reckon come, parties come at my on. house <laughs> because it, you know. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't wasn't quite like that, unfortunately. But um, it was good. It was, it was still a good, yeah, good fun. Yeah, a few years of my life, and um, yeah, like being uh, yeah, the world champion, living in Melbourne was cool. And then yeah, moving to LA and um, living in LA for three years, um, signed with Golden Boy. Yeah, getting to do all the yeah the stuff that came with that over there. Yeah, fighting in Vegas, Texas, Mexico, San. Antonio. Antonio, like yeah, good to fight it, fight it on HBO, Fox Sports USA. Um, yeah, it was always, it was a yeah, very yeah, fun chapter of my life, and uh, yeah, it was good. Any good up and cousin, any up and coming Aussies that you can give a shout? You think there'd be like people to watch? Well, you've got all the well, all the obvious are there, like the established ones that we see. They're all you know, like Tim Zoo, Cambosis, Sam Goodman. Jai Pattaya, obviously, you know, the creeping his way onto the pound for pound list. Um, but like yeah, the, the the exciting project that I'm working on is Max Reeves, um, the Australian super middleweight champ. Um, he's only 21, I think. Um, yeah, he's I think nine fights into his career. Already picked up the Aussie title. He's um, yeah, got the right you know, skills and ability, but also the right you know. Um, mentality and drive to um, you know, achieve, you know, to you know, go ahead and a- attempt to achieve, uh, um, you know, to have a professional, a good career. So I'm excited to be involved with him and, you know, looking forward to what we can do there. He's pretty um, long, isn't he? I think I've stalked his stuff and seen him on one of the fights you were promoting. He's been into it lately. I mean, you know, well, he's so excited to chat today because he's been watch. loving watching the, the hey. boxers train. Yeah. Yeah. Can't fight but can watch. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah. A, that's, a good way, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's a good boy. He's, um, yeah, as I say, got like the, the skills, the abilities with that big, long, wiry frame. He's going to like, he's very, very similar to a Danny Green. He just needs to loosen up a little bit. 
Is it harder, like you mentioned before, like 12 years, wherever it was, staying that weight? Is that why people move up? Is because they just their bodies can't do it anymore, cutting down? Yeah, a lot, like a lot of the time. But um, the only other reason a fighter would move up in weight is if they've like they've cleaned out their division and there's nobody else to fight, and they've got to you know go up a weight to take on you know other fights and um, you know put bigger bigger matchups together for you know for paydays. Like uh, Jamal Charlo just moved up to two weight divisions to fight Canelo because the opportunity was there. Well, I did see that. That's crazy, eh? Well, it's getting to start, starting to get to the pointy end of 2023. What are you excited about for the rest of the year? Uh, well, I've got another show coming up December the 9th, um, back at the Pullman Hotel. Um, got another show also, like a little in-house fight night at my gym that we're running, the Wild Fighter Gym Wars. Um, yeah, so just they're the two big ones business-wise. Um, obviously running the gym as well on top of that. So like kind of like a separate part of the business, but... You know, it's a busy time for that as well. Like everyone's looking to get fit for summer, so keep that doing doing well. Signing up the members, um, and then what else? Uh, just get away, get away for the um, Christmas break. Go down to where I grew up in Lake Entrance for a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, I've also got another kid on the way, so that's uh, that's um, congratulations, mate. Your life's gonna be insane, eh? Hey? Well. They're not due until um, April next year, though, so still got a bit of time off their sleeve. Wow, yeah. yeah, bro. That's crazy. I, I can imagine, um, like, Torquay way, like, people at the holidays when we were living there, it was crazy. Everyone who sort of lives there was like, oh, I just want to get out for this two weeks or whatever between Christmas and New Year's and stuff because there's just so much going on. Eh? Well, you had the house. It was like a hostel, mate. Everyone Everyone's coming outside. down. They're staying because we live down there, you know, and it's just like the beach is fire. You're pretty grumpy. You're just you're saying, can you leave? Huh? <laughs> nah, that's all right. I love people. <laughs> well, mate, thank you so much for jumping on and letting us pick your brain. It's been uh, unreal to yeah. have you on and, and have a chat and good luck for the next one, number two. Well, uh, thanks, lads. Appreciate appreciate getting, on, getting me on and, yeah, we'll catch up for a surf soon. Wild Will. I wish I had a cool nickname like that, like Wild Lock. What do you reckon people call Bruiser me? Bradford. Bruiser Bradford. I don't mind that. What do you like? Hollywood Hicks. Hollywood Hicks. That's what you want, don't you? I wish, yeah. That would be your boxing name, wouldn't it? It would be pretty good. We would be a good tag team duo in Bruiser wrestling, Bradford. though. We're saying that beforehand. We're probably not fit yeah. the bo- the boxing, but if Will, entertainment. If, you're, yes. if you're looking for an entertainment tag team duo to come and do maybe like a semi-professional wrestling event as one of the undercards of the main fights, let us know. Or... We have Wild Will Tomlinson versus Hollywood Hicks. What do you reckon? That could be good too. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. mind seeing him punch, punch, punch him. Who knows what? Just me getting punched the fuck out of for the first, what, 12 seconds of the fight until I take a knee and it's all over. I'll be the ref, bro. Don't worry about that. He ain't stopping. He hasn't stopped. No, he's not, he's not out yet. One, two, three. But you have been getting into boxing lately, so I feel like you're so pumped up after this chat. Oh, I feel like I'm going to get out there and train a little bit. But hey, if you're new to the pod or you, you've been listening to a while, for a while, please do us a favor. Hit that share button. Send it to a friend. Drop this episode on your stories on socials. Let people know that you like it because it helps us. Hey, Cam, founder of PaySquad here again. Since bootstrapping a simple MVP in November, we've connected with hundreds of customers, added seven merchants ready to integrate, forged a multinational partnership, and are ready to grow our squad with fresh faces and fresh capital. If you're interested in being a part of our journey through investment, strategic help, or heck, even getting into the trenches with us, reach out to me via LinkedIn or hit up any of the Dream Big lads. Let's help people pay together.